Welcome to the Marketing Agility Podcast, where we discuss all things related to the growing field of agile marketing. This podcast is co-produced by Frank Days and the Agile Marketing Alliance, so that we can learn, share, and grow together. I'm Frank Days, and along with Melissa Reeve, we will be your host for today's episode. We're doing something a little different today. Melissa, can you share what's going on? Yeah, thanks for that, Frank. We have got such an amazing panel of experts and practitioners for you today. Joining us is Paul Aceto, who's retired chief marketing officer at 3M, and he'll help us moderate the discussion. And I'll let him introduce our panelists. But Paul is currently an active board member of several nonprofits. He's also an adjunct faculty at the Kelly School of Business at IU, Indiana University, and the University of St. Catherine. And he's an active entrepreneur. This guy is busy. What can we say? So, Paul, take it away. Great. Thanks, Melissa. I'm really excited here. And yeah, I'm, I'm pretty busy for a retired guy. As they said at Indiana University, I flunked retirement. So we keep we keep busy with board, bother my network all the time. And I just thought it would be a great opportunity to pull in some of the folks that made the deployments at two big companies, 3M and Medtronic, into the conversation. Gets me off the hook a little bit for not remembering everything that went on, because it's been probably three, four years by now. And I'll go around and we'll start out. I'm going to ask Terry Peterson to quickly introduce herself. Hi, I'm Terry Peterson. I'm a marketing technology manager for director, actually, for 3M.com. Rob, over to you. So Rob Smith here, former digital commerce director at 3M and currently chief digital officer at Fractional Digital. And Joe. Hi, everyone. I'm Joe Ferry. I've been in the digital marketing space for nearly 25 years now. So I'm original digital and yeah, spent some time working with Paul on Medtronic and Agile Marketing. Great. Thanks, team. I think I'll start this out with a little bit of, of why we were interested in deploying Agile and, and how it came about. And for a company like 3M, it was quite organic. I had been appointed chief marketing officer for 3M Worldwide. So this was the responsibility for the thousands of sales reps and and, uh, marketers in over 60 countries around the world. And the remit that I got when I came in was to help accelerate the digital transformation. We were talking about things like, are we first in search? Are we winning on all the different SEO and SEM metrics that we had how many pages that we have, how many of our products and SKUs were up, which for a company with the scale and breadth of 3M is really something. We commonly talk about at 3M at having 55,000 plus products. That's not SKUs, that's products. The SKUs are, of course, in the millions and do business in 200 countries with subsidiaries and over, I think it's 60, 65 now. So that were some sense of urgency that was was straight away and went into that. And I think I'll, I'll pass things on to Terry because one of the first visits that the, the new team made me do was to go visit the Coco Agile Dojo. Three words that frankly weren't very familiar to me at the time. And to give you some context, I'm a marketer by training, but I had not worked in marketing for over 20 years. I was running as division presidents, the personal safety business, the traffic safety business, the infrastructure protection and the aerospace business, along with the, the Southeast Asia subsidiaries based in Bangkok, 
So I was coming at it from a business standpoint, not just a marketing standpoint. And then I met Terry. Terry, why don't we talk a little bit about what happened on that first meeting and and what advice you gave me that I uh, intelligently took? Yeah. Well, in our first meeting, I think I had you at the word agile. And then it kind of went from there. We started to unpack, you know, what did agile marketing actually mean to the marketing environment today? So I'll, I'll try and keep this story straight uh, or short, if you would. But it is one of my favorite stories to tell. So when I first joined 3M and I was coming from a, a retail environment, so there was definitely a strong, strong contrast in regards to marketing maturity from a retailer to a manufacturer. But when I started at 3M, I was probably over 90 days into my experience there, and I hadn't yet met my peer in the IT department. And so I realized right away that if it took us over 90 days to connect, that we probably had an opportunity in regards to the way that we worked. And so it was really my good fortune when I did meet with my peer in IT that we were very like-minded in regards to operation or opportunities that we had around transforming our organization to be more realigned and better serving our customers. And so the first thing that we started to talk about is what would that take? And agile marketing was something both of us were very familiar with. And it was easy for us to quickly kind of align around that vision and that strategy. So from there, we really started a transformation and got it underway to realign our two organizations, which, by the way, resided on campus in completely separate buildings. So just to put that in more context around what that meant is my team would do the UX design and the vision for the experience. And then we'd lob it over the wall to someplace in the quad to resources that we didn't interact with on a daily basis. And then, you know, 18 months down the road, we'd come back together to say, well, that that's not what we envisioned at all. So we knew we had a lot of opportunities to improve there. So when we looked at the transformation and what we wanted to undertake, it really was around three pillars. Our organizational structure, taking it from this decentralized siloed area to co-location. And that's what Paul is referring to as COCO. We didn't have any room for us to be co-located, meaning designers and developers sitting side by side, looking and reviewing requirements and understanding technical feasibility. So we went to a co-locating space down in uh, uptown St. Paul. The other aspect of that was really focusing on customer experience. Prior to that, we had very limited visibility to what our customer journeys were or even really defined customer journeys. So we mapped those capabilities together along with our IT team. And then the rest of it was really about process and mindset shift, right? Going from this long waterfall process to more iterative improvements, smaller release codes, and then the mindset of really helping the organization to understand that while we're a manufacturer and if we have customers that want to stick something, We've got tape for that, but we also have digital products. So if our customers want to search for something, we've got an experience for that. So that was kind of the the catalyst for the transformation that we started at 3M. Before we pick up with Rob, I think it was you who who said uh, on my first visit, you've got to read this book and gave me a copy of Scott Brinker's Hacking Marketing. And I think I read it over the weekend because we had a Learning platform to get things done. And I immediately gravitated towards that. And I'll tell you why. 
I mentioned earlier that it was quite an organic transformation for 3M. If you look back at 3M's history, there's a there's a wonderful story I would offer up as maybe we were the original Agile organization. In the 1930s, 1920s, two-tone cars were all the rage. And the way that they made cars two-tone, because they wanted to differentiate themselves from any color except uh, as long as it's black, uh, was that they would put glue onto newspaper to keep the, the paint separated. And a enterprising young technical service engineer went into one of these automobile production areas and introduced a paper that had the glue already uh, attached to it. And it kind of didn't work the right way. But if you think about the concepts of minimum viable product, of rapid prototyping, it was there from day one. Rob, what was the, what was the uh, automotive companies, I'll hand it off there, response when, when that didn't work so well? Yeah, so I think what they arrived with, so they were using newspaper and putting adhesive along an edge and tacking it to the, the, the metal and then painting a nice, clean, sharp paint edge. So what this tech service person did was they, they created a roll, put some adhesive on it, stuck it to the side of the car, and it would stay there for a while. But as they were painting, it would fall off. So they turned around and they told the tech service rep, you know, please go back and put some more adhesive on it. Don't be so scotch. And then that apparently has it, turned into the brand for scotch tape, which was actually a masking tape before it became scotch magic tape, which most people know. And, of course, William McKnight, our, our Scottish, you know, not, not the founder, but one of the great luminaries in the history of the company, grabbed right onto that. And these mm-hmm. McKnight principles are something that have guided the company now for 121 years. So it, these are principles about collaboration, about delegation, and about including everyone in the innovation process. And Rob, I know you are now retired from 3M and, and uh, like me, keeping very busy. But tell us about when when we picked this up and, and took what Terry had done at the Coco and we saw what, that we could accelerate our digital transformation. How we proceeded with that, and some of the some of the outside help we used, and, and how we advanced it. So there, there was a desire to prioritize. I think we had about a dozen core platforms that we wanted to focus on and really, really launch. Probably around 2018, 2019, and the desire was to replicate what Terry and the IT IT partners had done with our business partners on the marketing side. So we identified a space that we think it was already called a dojo before we before we arrived. Our IT colleagues were using it to run agile projects within within that space. But we co-located marketers, salespeople, people you know, content writers with members of Terry's team and other other members from the organization. We created these sort of SWAT teams to go after these different programs. And we would have a team in the morning and a team in the afternoon. And we would teach them about Agile and Scrum and, and how you sort of move really fast to make these iterative improvements in the marketing programs and execute things. From a 3M perspective, it was like moving at light speed or maybe speed of sound the way we've been moving before. I think sometimes other companies move a little faster than we do, but it was it was still a huge step change for the company. And marketers loved it. 
So we quickly ran out of space and we had to go from where we were hosting about six of these teams to taking over a building and, and engineering it so that we could have a dozen of these programs running all at once. So the dozen priority programs for the company were all being executed on the Agile platform. It was, it was really quite, quite something to be a part of. Thanks, Rob. So we scaled that pretty quickly. And as I recall, almost immediately ran out of dojo capacity. Yeah. And we, we played all of our, applied all of our resources against these Agile programs and would prioritize and execute and had a, a schedule that went out for over 12 months by business. And it really helped us focus on what we called at the time core surge. In other words, our core product lines that uh, we knew were highly profitable, high growth potential, and needed to be prioritized. Prior to that, we were using a ticketing system, which first come, first serve. So we really aligned with the corporate strategic objectives in doing that. And we can come back a little bit about how we managed it from a change leadership perspective, because that was the other thing that I had in my mind, was that this is more than just a methodology. This was a carrier, if you will, for the change that we needed to make in the culture frankly, to get us back to some of our roots, which reside in this, these McKnight principles. I'm going to fast forward in time, and then we're going to rewind again and uh, ask Joe what it was like when we were in Northridge, California, working in the Medtronic's diabetes group and introduced Agile along with some other tools at, at the time. And, and Joe, how did you receive that? Yeah. You know, the impetus for it and I'll never forget when Paul Jordan joined the organization, there was an employee engagement survey that went out regularly. And at the top of the list for the marketing group was always getting things done is easier around here. And that was a sore point and one that needed to be rectified and it wasn't moving. <laughs> Every survey came back, getting work done is easier around here, not so much, right? And prioritization, which Rob mentioned. So this goes to Terry's point about you know getting work done and, and getting through and getting things across the finish line. And then to Rob's point about prioritization. And Paul, I think you <laughs> you were probably itching to get started with Agile. And then you saw all the evidence that it was absolutely necessary and, and a salve for the uh, some of the issues that marketing was experiencing. And so that's really what kicked it off. I mean, there was a, a cultural need and there was a business need to address priorities and the solution became Agile. So, you know, we kicked it off with a dedicated pilot team, which... Paul spearheaded and garnered the necessary resources to give it the best shot possible for success. And knowing that when you do something and it has success, right, it starts to snowball and, and build from there. So as opposed to starting off with capacity limitations, we were very focused at the start with one or two dojos at the very beginning. And then as interest gained, we expanded and scaled from there. Yeah, I remember that fondly. There's nothing more fun than introducing ways for people to get their work done more easily, faster, and at a higher quality. At the same time, as everyone knows, when you're introducing change, there are always detractors and, and I call it the Greek course sitting waiting for you to kind of waiting for you to, to mess up. And, and we did, you know, on both counts. I'll give a, a plug here too, because we used uh, our, I know all of us uh, are familiar with Russ Lang uh, and his team at, at CMG for both deployments. And he was kind of the, the Sherpa, if you will, to, to help us stay on and, and, and the right path and get us to the top. 
And we had had experiences like this at both Medtronic and at 3M with large, broad-based change initiatives, Lean, Six Sigma, TQM, other transformations. And there's a there was a good feeling because of the the cultures of these companies are so innovative that if you said student body left, student bodies would go left and and then uh, and follow along. But you had to have some uh, short-term wins. And, you know, that's important, not only from the deployment standpoint, but it's important for management to see that. I think I'll ask now, we'll get into a little more of the experiments and success stories and, you know, really the storytelling that goes along with this that helped us make the transformation, but it's at the base level of these these experiments. And and Terry, I think uh, we actually had the CEO come by the dojo at one point, didn't we? Yeah, that was, that was a really big deal for us to, you know, not only do we do something that was a little bit unconventional for 3M to, to have a site off campus, right? But to have a space that was more about how we respond and act as human beings, right? In our co-located space, we had a kitchen there, which, you know, sometimes was really fundamental to some of our biggest ideation sessions when just sitting around a kitchen island and talking and throwing ideas out. But also where we were standing up at Kanban boards all day long and, and holding each other accountable across the organization to different deliverables. It was very unconventional to what the culture of the environment looked like that we had previously existed in within the campus. So it was a really big deal for us to have the CEO there take a look and really kind of endorse the mindset shift that we were bringing forward, right? To be iterative, to be continuously improving, and that we weren't doing these large projects anymore. Rather, we were doing incremental releases, and we were constantly defining, building, testing, and then repeating that process. And that was very different than where we had previously built our experiences from. The image that sticks in my mind from that visit, and, and I think it ended up on his social media feeds and, and ended up as an article, the internal uh, website was uh, our CEO, Inga Talin at the time, with a stack of post-its that came off of the Kanban board that, I don't know, how, what it was, it, seven, eight inches high? Yep, exactly. So we post-it notes were definitely a huge part of our processes mm-hmm. and how we got stuff done. And so we would like to stack them up, right, as a visual reminder of the amount of work that we are doing and the amount of iterating that we were doing for those continuous improvement cycles. So, yeah, most definitely that was a little bit iconic to our experience there. You know, I like to talk about Agile is it's not the extra work, it's the way we work. And yes. it was it was always something that Terry's team was in the lead on. And, and Rob, we picked that up on the, on the business side. As we were sort of indoctrin- indoctrinating our organization into this sort of this agile marketing mindset, we were we had, we had struck on a a model that worked. You know, so we created these two week sprints that seemed about right for our organization. We were bringing the all of the, the our partners into the room into the scrum, and then working on these Kanban boards and holding each other accountable and. I can remember bringing business teams in sort of one division at a time, I mean, 25 divisions in the company, and, uh, and sort of teaching them the methodologies. You know, the first scrum was, oh, it's something new. So new is bad or new is not good. But then once people got into the second scrum and the third scrum or the third sprint, second sprint, third sprint, 
they didn't want to go back to the old way they were working. They insisted on staying in the dojo. And, you know, I was lucky enough to, to take that methodology to other places on the planet. We had leaders all over the world and help sort of spread that virus, if you will. Maybe that's not an appropriate analogy in the land of COVID, but in the time of COVID, but spread the agile virus to the rest of the company. And, you know, even today teams, you know, when they start something, they, they are still leveraging that methodology. And that's kind of how you know it's stuck. No one is making them do that anymore. It's now the way that they work. Well, one of the things that not outside of the wins that you get from a speed to market and quality and velocity, the one thing that has really stuck is the change in culture and the way that we work and the way that we collaborate. And I think that's probably been by far the biggest win that we've had out of leveraging agile methodologies, not only from an activation around marketing campaigns, but to the way that we build out our web experiences or digital experiences is that the team member satisfaction and the retention had marked improvement. Great comment, Terry. And, you know, it again, 3M and Medtronic are both very innovative, very process oriented companies. So it wasn't, wasn't a huge stretch. What was the biggest element of the change was the amount of time people would have to spend in, in the sprints. At least they thought that was the issue. We used to talk about it as going slow to go faster, and we actually would require, and I'm not sure if this is something that is is the hallmark of every Agile deployment, but we would require, and Terry alluded to this earlier, journey mapping and touch point mapping to be redone at the beginning of every project. And the reason is, is that level sets the entire team around the customer. And so those there's journey maps. And they said, no, we already have a journey map. So that's great. Let's take a look at it. We can start there. Let's do it again and do voice customer, voice of market, voice of process, and, and chart those uh, journeys and then develop personas who would be in the room with us for the, for the rest of the sprints. This was something that really caught on quickly. Joe, what do you recall were some of the early wins and, and some of the experiments that, as I know, you have quite a few vignettes on those? good proportion of our team was digital and was just sort of chomping at the bit to be able to start running experiments because we knew it was in our capacity to do this. And relative to traditional market research, which could take months, right, we had the ability to put creative and assets and hypotheses into play and get results within days. And so for Agile, it was a boon because we could scrape together and put together something rapidly, deploy it, and get real-world results, right? And um, Canva became one of our biggest friends, if you're not familiar with Canva, because it enabled us to not have to engage a creative agency, put our ideas into something that had polish in, in, at a reasonable level <laughs> and, and good fidelity, <clears throat> And, and, and do permutations on it. So we had a lot of um, ideas and we were doing comparing ads with person facing the camera versus looking away or no person versus product only. These kinds of things, when, when we started seeing some statistically significant, and that's really important that we, we had statistically significant results so that we could quantify it for the naysayers, right? Say, this is, this is legit. This is a real difference. Those things started becoming institutional knowledge that was taken outside of what was happening in the Agile Dojo and being applied to the rest of the organization, traditional methodologies. 
And that's when we knew we were having success because then people started looking to us to guide not just what was happening within the walls of the dojo, but outside of that as well. And they trusted the information that was coming out of it. And it was coming out fast. You know, all the learnings that we were achieving from real world experiments. Google, great partner, right? Because once again, turnkey creative assets, things that could be put in place in front of our personas with high degree of accuracy and, and getting statistically significant results. Um, and the other thing about experiments, right, was a, a cultural shift. We've been talking about that a little bit, but initially people are like, well, what if it doesn't work? What if, what if it fails? And, and yeah, I'll never forget that for first report out to senior stakeholders and no one wanted to report out that something didn't work the way we thought it would. And I was like, this is great. This is our opportunity to start building up a bunch of failures. And people were horrified and petrified of, of presenting this information out. And afterwards, it was like, hey, that wasn't so bad. And actually, we, we got a lot of authenticity and trust because we reported out on something that didn't work alongside of something that did or something that had neutral results. And we found out IBM has a philosophy on this too. There's a certain proportion of things that ought to fail, right? And that's okay. But man, that first time, the rest of the team was just, I'll never forget, scared. We can't put that on a slide. No way. And we did it and it was fine. And people got over it and then they got bolder and things and the work started getting a lot greater and we started taking bigger chances and we got bigger rewards. That's a very important part of uh, institutional learning is is learning how to fail fast and move on. And one thing I want to just mention that is, I know Joe knows this, but uh, this, this is Medtronic. These are class three medical devices in many cases. There was a lot of skepticism that, you know, we're doing these experiments, but, you know, you don't understand. We're regulated. And part of the acceleration in that was getting better accuracy and better engagement because we would have legal and regulatory in the dojo with us. So the, you know, I called it folding time. We would be able to fold time and and accelerate those processes. And that's what I think it drove actually, uh, Joe, what was the after? Because we did an after measure on that statistic on, on marketing ability to get things done. Oh man, we went from things that, you know, a landing page, right, could take months end to end. And we were getting it done in days. I mean, you're you're talking about an order of magnitude difference in terms of ideation to to launch. It was incredible. And Paul's right. That could not have happened without having truly engaged legal regulatory who were wanting to get, be involved in this and help out and 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 really work with us on on, on bringing it to life. Yeah, work happens in networks. Work happens from collaboration. I always joke about the organizational hierarchical organization being a 3,000-year-old idea. And we have the tools now for that. We have smart people on these teams. Why not engage them? So why don't we do one more round here and go back uh, to Terry. you got any other stories about change leadership or successes on experimentations, A-B testing, that sort of thing that that you would like to share with? Yeah. I love the fact that Joe brought up, you know, celebrating failures. I think that is a huge part of when you're shifting to agile methodologies is you do want to fail fast. And part of the beauty is, is that you're failing fast, right? So you're learning very quickly and you're being able to respond and recover and remediate from those failure, failures that otherwise maybe would have taken you a year or 18 months down the road. And so that mindset shift is 
you know, really does need to incorporate the celebration of failure. So I do think it's a critical element of successfully introducing agile methodologies to your organization. As far as, as quick wins, I think a lot of what we've been able to prove out in our agile methodologies is allowing our stakeholders to get more comfortable with leaning into data-driven decisions, right? Allowing some of, whether it is improvement around some of our KPIs or CX metrics, or even just changes in our customers' behavior, leaning into that data versus always operating from, you know, conventional wisdom or previous experience and or someone's opinions. That's one of the biggest shifts that that we've seen in the work that we've done is utilizing data-driven decisions more to guide us and lead the way versus opinions. Everybody's heard me say this before, but in and God we trust, everyone else show us the data. I love it. And what a what a great ending to this powerhouse panel. I mean, I heard so many good things about cultural shifts and the power of teams to own work to the point that even when they weren't mandated to do Agile, they were empowered to keep going with it. Loved the real world experiments. I mean, Joe, Rob, Terry, thank you so much for sharing Paul, thank you so much for moderating this panel today. Such a great, um, great example of agile marketing done right. Yeah, and I appreciate all the anecdotes about you know failing fast. I know in larger organizations where people have careers that span decades in a highly regulated industry, you're talking about risk of making a major career gaffe is perceived to be large among many of these people. Just as a reminder to our listeners out there, you can learn more about Agile Marketing by checking out the Agile Marketing Alliance website. Lots of great resources and ever-increasing membership base, Melissa, right? Yeah. So there are lots of resources, case studies, stories if you want to learn more. Also, if you want to follow up on old episodes of the Marketing Agility Podcast, stop by agilemarketingblog.com. And thank you again, everyone, for joining us. And please stay agile.